welcome to No Applause, Just the Clap. I am Dev, with me is Doug. And uh, we are here so I can go attend a Boulder Ingress outing in March, and we need a cushion episode. Yay, cushion episode! Yay! We're not really here, Internet. Sorry, Internet. This is the ghost of the future. Ghost of the future. We're like that frightening thing from Scrooge that you're going to get calls from about parents' groups. From parents' groups. Calls are coming from inside the house, Doug. Don't ever jump in movies. I just wanted to say that. Okay. So, uh, we were going was to discuss... Originally, was that the calls are coming from inside the house? Was that originally, that was Hitchcock, wasn't it? It wouldn't surprise me. See, now I'm wondering when they were able to start tracing phone calls. Well, Hoover. I don't know. I thought I'd come off a really smart on that one and go... What, J. Edgar? S- yeah. J. Edna. J. Edna Hoover? Mm-hmm. Like to sit there in his prom dress listening to people's phone calls. Was that, uh, what was that, Archer? Uh, Jadna Hoover was Archer. I don't remember what else she said about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it was what? Nothing. Oh. Mm. Yeah. So, as of today, I was going to say, I was getting ready for this and thinking of all the stuff we could talk about, which was a lot less than I had thought because my brain is empty. I had uh, Criminal Minds on Ion going on throughout the day, and so I got to see Diggle from Arrow is a rapist, and also Will Wheaton is a rapist. Will Wheaton? Yes, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton? Was a kidnapper and a rapist. Do you think he really, like, treasured that moment? What, the Will Wheaton? No, I mean, like, being a rapist and kidnapper. I think he probably liked to play against type. Abductist? An abductor? Abductor, yes. Abductist? That sounds like you're racist against abductors. It's like 5.30 in the afternoon. We're not even, like, blaming on the half-awake now, Doug. Well, you know, I mean, if you're racist against people that... I mean, you'd be bigoted. You'd be bigoted against people who abduct. They're not race. So you'd be bigoted against... You'd be an abductist. Doesn't that sound like some kind of weird sect of some religion? Mormon. Sorry, we're abductists? (laughs) We'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Oh. Who abducts your soul? Oh, you made it worse. But the one or that you better. Or like I said, the one that you walked in on it was a uh, Jason Alexander as a kidnapper and a murderer. <laughs> Looking. He looked like Data from fucking. Uh, was it uh, Brett Spiner? He looked like Data. <laughs> Brett Spiner. He looked like Brett Spiner from uh, Independence Day. When he's the crazy scientist that's been underground. Can't wait to meet him. Oh no, fuck. That's uh, uh, Fifth Element. Just can't wait to meet him, yeah. But like I said, some really exciting things have been happening here in the last couple days. Really exciting, yeah. But well, he's the scientist like, that have been kept in Area 51 for way too long. Well, but okay, back to Jason Alexander. Like, he looks like... It's like whoever wrote that episode of um, Criminal Minds, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, saw both Saw and The Cell in like a weekend and went, Oh, fuck, I can do that. And then did. Yeah, why not? It's acid, it's oxygen, I mean, it's, and then they start dividing the people, like, it's a trap, it's, Carrie always gonna saw off its foot. Say it right. It's a, Trappist? No, 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 you gotta say it like Admiral Akbar. God damn it. It's a trap. (laughs) Say it like the space shrimp. He wasn't a, he was like a space, I wouldn't say a shrimp, but some kind of fish. He wasn't like a straight, well, yeah, he was. He was, was kind like, of a space lobster, wasn't he? Space lobster. Space lobster. It was uh, a space lobster. lobster. Um, which is weird, because I'll be talking about, uh, which will have been up for weeks, uh, I'll be talking about uh, <laughs> Return of the Jedi on, on Dam. Um, yeah. Well, already then. So, uh, yeah. Plowing on. Welcome from the past, future. What do you think future Doug's going to think of this episode? Future Doug's going to be a bit of all right with it. Past Doug? Not so much. Aww. He's going to be like, fuck, I didn't catch the fucking Akbar reference. Anytime anybody says it's a trap, it's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> What is it from from Robot Chicken, where he, the, they have the act the act the General Akbar serial? And it's oh, like Admiral Akbar. What did I say? General. Oh, I'm sorry, Admiral Akbar, and he goes like, 
Your taste buds can't, uh... Oh, what is it? Can't repel this magnitude of flavor. Yes, we can't handle this magnitude. God, now I'm trying to remember yeah, the your exact... Yeah, tongue, your tongue can't, can't repel this magnitude, magnitude of flavor. flavor. And I can't remember what the exact one was. We can't repel this magnitude of firepower? Sure. Was that it? I don't know. I saw Empire's my first movie ever. In theaters. I... So it completely eliminates uh, the fact that I've memorized uh, most of uh, Jedi. Yep, yep. To something else we've been wanting to discuss for a while. And this, I have been holding on to this idea in um, kind of our own idea dump. In hopes um, that one day Deb would will... get so addicted to a video game she needed a Saturday off. Well, I don't want to say I was psychic on that one, but yeah. That we would, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, there's a song called Stop Talking About Comic Books or I'll Kill You by a band called Ookla the Mook which is a obscure character from Thundar the Barbarian admittedly an obscure cartoon it would be a precursor to um, uh, the the what was the one uh, the Herculoids uh, same oh, the 1970s Herculoids. oh I love the Herculoids but the same 1970s Weird fantasy sci-fi Hanna Barbera stuff, which I grew up on, loved it. Once again, I, I this might be an internet crisis. So I'm, I'm wrong on our on, on our Gushin episode, but I believe Alex Toth worked on this as well. I think so. Who heavily influenced Bruce? Same, which heavily influ- influenced me. So anyway, there's yeah. this song that um, when I originally came across it, and I couldn't tell you how I came across it. But I'm gonna just go with internet, um, internet. because because internet Why? and because uh, internet because internet and um, it was funny because the girlfriend at the time's mother, uh, Margaret, which you should be listening to this, um, kind of gave me shit for living part of the song. And you and I had the idea of breaking down the song. Well, it's because the song starts playing and you and I want to start discussing certain lines of the song. Absolutely. Especially with um, kind of my background in being a huge comic book nerd. I'm not wearing my new Hulk shirt. Um, Why aren't you wearing a new Hulk shirt? It makes you feel fat. Aww. And the sad part is it says mad or monster and I'm like, mad or fatster. Fatster not. Oh, no, it was... But it's awesome. It's uh, Bruce Banner with uh, the Green Hulk behind him, and uh, it's uh, very Kirby-esque, which we'll talk about. Not Kirby. Um, oh, God, who drew fucking Hulk? Was that... I want to say Ramada Senior. No. No, it might have been Kirby. Or Ramada Senior. I'm willing to go either way on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, lo- love the shirt. Need to shed a couple more pounds. I'm going to get on that Jared Le- uh, Leto fucking diet. Cocaine? <laughs> Close. Oh, probably cocaine. But uh, he uh, only took in something like 300 calories a day. Good lord, why didn't he die? And he probably slept a lot, which is what your body does when it doesn't take in enough calories. Don't ask me how I know. But that's true. Well, your your think... body will actually go into like literally hibernation mode. Okay. Well, at, at the darkest days of drinking, when I wasn't taking in that many calories, that's what my body did. It slept for longer to conserve the energy. Anyways, did you want to chicken? Yes. See, you're making chicken. Yes, I know you're making zim noises now. I am making zim noises. I was making Mordecai and Rigby noises. Well, then I would have to like reply as Mordecai ooh, the same sound. Exactly. Exactly. So did you want to play a little bit of this song before we start discussing uh, We'll actually it? listen to um, a clip at the very end of the episode. Okay. Because um, uh, if you didn't listen to several episodes back, song rights. Uh, <laughs> nope, that would be Bane, not Simon. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, 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 no. We no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I had Cats in the Cradle stuck in my head for like a week after that. Like a week. I was fine. Um. <laughs> See, now I'm looking at you, like willing you to start seeing Cats in the Cradle in your head. No, couldn't get the rights. 
in your head. Also, completely mute. I seem to just have Robert Kirkman talking in my head. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. The first thing we wanted to discuss was, do we think the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel? Now, let's break this down. Now, okay, when I say logically for the rest of the episode, let's just assume that... You know what? Just, just suspend a certain amount of your disbelief. Or all of it. <laughs> like, let's not even say some of it. All of it. Um, the Hulk actually gets stronger the angry he gets. The more Kryptonian punches him, the angry he's going to get. Now, I do think that there's a limit. I don't know if it's ever been put on the Hulk, but Superman does have a limited strength. Now, given he helped move the moon, so his strength is significant. And he can breathe in space. So it matters on, really, when you talk about the Hulk versus Superman, it matters on where they fight. Well, that was my whole argument. Is Yes, I think that Superman could defeat the Hulk because he could take the Hulk into space. And the Hulk can really, he can fight in space as long as he can hold his breath. But after that, he does need oxygen. Superman, uh, I, I don't really remember that they talked about whether he needs oxygen. And, and, and this gets into multiple continuities, whether he can breathe in space or not. Um, or whether his solar-powered cells will just keep him going. Um, but I would imagine if he's kept in space not breathing long enough, he could keep going. But his cells would break down. I mean, he would exhaust that solar energy. But I would imagine in much less time than the gamma-irradiated cells of the Hulk. So could Superman defeat the Man of Steel? I would say uh, in the zero-G... I did think about what you just said. Could the Hulk defeat the Man of Steel? You said, could Superman defeat the Man of Steel? Well, now we're just going to do a masturbation joke. Could he... Yeah, he beats him like he owes him money. Slapbox the one-eyed champ. Slapbox the one-eyed Kryptonian. Oh, snap. Whoa. Um, So, could Superman defeat... I almost said Man of Steel again. Uh, (laughs) Could Superman defeat the Hulk... Once again, it depends on where they're at. Um, in a zero-G space environment, Superman has the advantage. Also, that he can fly, so it well, negates, like I said, he it can negates fly. the lack of gravity. Like I said, he can fucking fly. So, I mean, there's lots of times where he could, say, pick up the Hulk and slam him to the ground a few times. Just, you know, maybe get a chance to run away and fight again another day. You're saying Superman would run away from the Hulk? On, on, on an Earth-based I'm fight? saying he would... Play his maneuverability to an advantage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, on an Earth-based fight, I, I'm, I'm really I'm for strength for strength. I'm not sure. Um, and Hulk's uh, healing factor would probably negate a lot of the damage done by Superman's strength and heat vision. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm not sure of Hulk's physical perception. Um, in terms of the five senses, so I'm not sure... I mean, Superman is super fast. Yeah. I mean, he races the Flash, so he can land the 100 punches against the Hulk. But once again, the angry Hulk gets, the stronger he gets. So I think on an Earth-based, might call it a draw. I'd say a draw, simply because, like I said, Spider-Man would play... Superman would play his maneuverability to his advantage. Absolutely. It'd be like Spider-Man fighting the Juggernaut. I mean, it really would be. It would just... It, it's it's the what is it the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. object. I mean, yeah. it really is. Yeah. And according to Grant Morrison, Superman, uh, the only way to solve that is for both to surrender, and which neither would, uh, assuming they don't have a uh, common enemy, like like Luthor or Nightmare well, or whoever. Well, like would be Superman's able to a lot more likely to surrender just to stop destruction. Absolutely. So if we're looking but at Hulk tends to hide out in the wilderness, so... He tends to hang out in Canada a lot. Yeah, that's right, I didn't say... I didn't say Canada. Gay me. I'm in Sasquatch, hanging out in Hulk in Canada. Jacking each other off of their feet. Okay, that one's all on you. <laughs> so the next one is, could Logan's claws pierce Steve Rogers' shield? Now, we've talked about this. Absolutely not. Um... Captain America's shield, Steve Rogers, uh, his shield is made up of a military secret steel alloy, vibranium and adamantium. Therefore, 
Wolverine's claws could not pierce it. Um, one, it's adamantium cannot cut adamantium. I don't care what the goddamn movie says. Yeah, and that was superheated adamantium on the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't seen the Wolverine yet, yeah. so I don't want to... Well, so there's some superheated adamantium in play. Um, but So some stuff happened, yeah. Some stuff happened. Some adamantium stuff. Weird stuff. Adamantium stuff. stuff. Oh, we went by the stuff. Uh, <laughs> That's the line. We but stuff. But stuff. Did you like that, by the yeah, way? Yeah, I did. That? Okay. I um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> hashtag, um, there's a many uh, levels on that joke. But the vibranium in his shield would negate any impact. Um, so, no. Wolverine's claws could not cut through Captain America's shield. Uh, despite its impuri- uh, quote-unquote impurities, uh, uh, metallurgy impurities with uh, the secret uh, military seal alloy, which is next to nothing against vibranium and adamantium. Like I said, and I mean, I've been... Pro- I was going to say that's the same thing I've been saying since the first time somebody asked me that question, is no, you can't. I'm sorry. <sighs> God. At least we're in agreement on that one. Yeah, we're hit, we've got some hardening issues coming up. So the next one's a little bit dated, actually, but I wanted your thoughts on it either. anyways. And the line is, I couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. Follow-up? <sighs> okay. So Craven died at the end of Craven's last hunt. Um, I'm going to try to jump over... I'm not... I shouldn't say jump over, but I'm going to try to skim over some heavy continuity since it's... Um, almost, what, 20 years old? No, 30 years old. Um, Craven thinks he's beat uh, Spider-Man, buries him alive, takes on his mantle, uh, figures out that he's not as good as a human being as Spider-Man. Spider-Man escapes the grave, uh, comes back, defeats uh, Craven, turns out Craven's dying of, I believe, cancer, uh, and then dies going like, hey, I did beat you. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm dying, but I, I beat you. Just, you know, that one last F you. Yeah. Um, he dies. They made reference to him coming back in the uh, 90s. It was not met with uh, a great reception. They ended up bringing him back in the mm, mid-2000s with uh, the Gauntlet. Which was actually really good. I really liked it. It was a uh, uh, mostly Dan Slott written on Amazing Spider-Man, um, but at the time we're, they're talking about in this song, it's bringing back Craven from Craven's Last Hunt, and I agree. I don't care if they bring him back. Um, he wasn't a relevant um, character that couldn't really do anything with him um, until you finally have this whole like spider family versus hunter family thing um, from the gauntlet um, in, in the uh, 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 late 2000s. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, I, I actually agree with the, I do agree with the song. Uh, I'm the not, I was going to say at the time. At the time. Um, unfortunately, they do bring up kind of a following point that's going to take a little less skimming. Do you care if Spider-Man's a clone? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Let's talk about the clones. So they did this thing that goes all the way back to the 70s. Um, that the... Now I'm just going to talk about it like it actually happened. Um, that the... Oh, it wasn't called the Gremlin. What was it fucking called? Um, the Jackal uh, ends up cloning uh, Spider-Man. And then it's... That clone comes back uh, 20 years later in the 90s. He's grown up. He's called Ben Riley, um, based on Uncle Ben and mm-hmm. Aunt May's uh, surname. Okay. No, surname? Maiden name. Maiden name. Was Riley? Yeah, was Riley. And uh, they did this to shake up Spider-Man. This is in the wake of the death of Superman, the breaking of the Batman, um, the uh, uh, Hal Jordan going insane which we'll actually talk about a little bit later. Um, but Hal Jordan going fucking nuts. And it was DC shaking up a lot of their big guns. And Marvel's like, well, we've got to do it too. Um, so you... That's your Marvel voice? 
that's my Marvel voice. We gotta do it too. Um, and they did it with Daredevil, and they did it with Spider-Man, um, and they did it with Captain America, and then the Avengers. But anyway, um, specifically Spider-Man, they really made a question mark on if Peter Parker was Peter Parker the clone or not, hmm. and whether Ben Riley was the original. And then Peter Parker's like, well, you know, I'm really over the whole Spider-Man thing. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, he said it exactly like that. Yeah, I'm over this shit. And, um, you know, I've, I've kind of paid my dues, um, and I'm going to go and raise a family with uh, Mary Jane Parker, uh, and, um, and Ben Rayley, you can kind of, you know, take up the mantle, and he ends up becoming the Scarlet Spider, who wears a hoodie, because uh, it was the 90s. Yeah, and, like um, Roy. Yeah, but that makes sense, because um, it's the red hoodie. It's it, not it, the Red Hood, uh, the Red Arrow. Yes. It, it's, Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. drag you in a different direction. Um, and the then, spider. you know, and then, well, and you do have really interesting things where you have Ben Riley facing off against, like, Venom for the first time and the Sinister Six, and you're like, oh, this is a Spider Man who hasn't technically Basically. fought these guys yet. And these guys are going, well, wait a tick, like, this is a, is this a different Spider Man or is he. An idiot, or is this a, a ploy, or is he, you know, um, and the clone saga went on for A, way too long, and B, about an actual time, about, I think maybe between two and four years. I mean, they really dragged it on. And there was a separate, like the first clone who was Kane, and he was like hunting Ben Riley and Peter Parker to, like, get his birthright, and he had, like, slightly different spider powers. I thought you were going to say physical deformities. And he did. Like, oh, man. Well, yeah, why wouldn't he? He was the first clone, so of course he has to be deformed. He's imperfect. Um, you know, and then the jackal comes back, and is it a jackal, or is it his clone who's continuing the work? Like, it was a goddamn mess. So it was a little convoluted, is what you're telling me. Yeah, and if you followed comics in the um, probably l- late 90s to very early 2000s, that was what kind of ruined Marvel, was these weird, um, I would say overreaching, um, convoluted storylines. Thanks, Chris Claremont. I'll actually name check you on this one. Um, well, where do you draw the line, though? Because, I mean... A lot but, you know, of comic they, they were selling so many issues that they were like, well, let's just keep it going. And you're like, no, 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 no. And, like, nowadays it would be like, no, like, there's, you have a storyline put out and it's finite or they have, a, they know where they're going with it. You don't have this whole, like, well, it's making money, so let's just keep on going. And the writers were at this, like, uh, uh, like summit and they were like, oh, we're, we're going to keep going, going with this? And but editorial this was happening? like... Yeah. And the editorial was like, yeah, well, we're it's like printing money. So, yeah, you need to keep going. There's going to be the Scarlet Spider and the Amazing Scarlet Spider and the Spectacular Scarlet Spider. And you're going to have this Kane thing. And you're going to have the Jackal could be a clone of himself. And, you know, is Gwen Stacy going to come back? No. Um, I like that. No. No. It did work in Ultimate, but, but in Prime Continuity, it did not. Um, and I'm glad it didn't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was in the big comics boom where they were like, well, fuck it, it's still making money, just keep writing it, and it's like... That was what will drive a franchise into the ground, is that, fuck it, it's making money, we'll keep doing it. Spider, and it's weirdly coincidental, Spider-Man 3. Oh, God. Spider-Man 3. It's gonna make money, let's just throw all of our shit at the fan and film it. And that's what Spider-Man 3 was. That's what it was. I understand you have a fan favorite with Venom. Oh, yeah. But for fuck's sake, the Sandman was... Looked amazing. I did not like the character arc. At all. The fact that he's like... do you have like, a shirt that's kind of similar to that shirt? I do. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Not second. My, my Kane Marco... Oh, that Kane Marco is the... Um, uh, uh, juggernaut. Uh, Flint Marco. Flint Marco is uh, the Sandman. Um, 
he ends up kind of being a good guy for a little while. But anyway, um, so yeah, I was not a huge fan, and, and the Clone War uh, or Clone Saga, rather, uh, we uh, talked about off air, is one of the reasons why I dropped off of comic books. Yeah, um, you're just like I'm done between that and probably issue thirty. I can be specific, thirty one and on of just X-Men with um, it was at, at the time it, it started uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee um, which I love Jim Lee art but the convoluted storylines and the fact that there was no jumping on point um, for new fans it was horrible and that's Did you also start getting frustrated with Fables at some point in there? That was actually much later. Um, Fables was... I think with you, Fables, wasn't it just because of the timeline? They, they were literally real, planning... Like I said, it was a real-life timeline? They were, yeah, they were literally sorry, planning... real-world timeline. Yeah. Real-life timeline. Real time. It, they were literally planning a, uh, a war. war over a year uh, to, to reclaim their homelands, and I could not... Every month I kept forgetting, like, what Prince Charming had... You planned, to or that Cinderella was a sleeper agent, or whatever it was, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll read it and trade, and then never did. And Bill Willingham, I fucking love you. I I think what you do is great. I just think that once again, that was the way that you and I uh, kind of differing opinions on what to watch and how to watch it, um, in terms of watching it week to week versus binging. Um, that you've talked about wanting to binge uh, Walking Dead. It's ruined for me now. Um, which, by the time this airs, you may be able to binge watch it? No, it's ruined for me now. Like oh. I said, because of work. Because of uh, when I get off at work. Spoiler alert, zombies. No, because when I get off of work, it, we will replay the second replay of it. Because, I mean, it's on a Sunday night, it's quiet, it's slow, why not? But when I get off of work, it's normally about 10 to 15 minutes into an episode, and if I'm sitting there having my after-work shot and cocktail, it's on the TVs and the sound is on, and I'm like, well, now I know this... You're like, where's Carl? Not in the house. Like I said, now, I'm like, well, now I know this weird piece of the story, so I'm going to be wondering to myself the entire time, where does this puzzle piece fit in? Carl's never in the house. God damn it, Carl. Hashtag pudding. Well, back to our Mm -hmm. our, our overarching storyline. Back Issues of the Flash. Doug, no. stop spending all your cash on Back Issues of the Flash. I have actually since. Um, not that I'm done doing it. Uh, but this is actually the... I think this was the kind of the the kernel, the catalyst of the conversation where, um, as I said, a uh, then-girlfriend's mom heard this song and went, oh, you're living this. And what was going on was I was spending... I wouldn't say all my disposable cash, but some of it... Um, on filling out my Mark Wade run from now Mark Wade came back to the Flash, but um, pre uh, 2006 no 2010 ish um, Mark Wade had done this seminal run on the Flash in the late 80s early 90s uh, and I loved it. Um, it was bringing Wally West out of the shadow of Barry Allen, um, who wasn't my Flash. I mean, I really kind of missed the Barry Allen boat. Um, and Wally West wasn't, always will be my Flash. Um, and I was spending a lot of money on filling out my Mark Wade run, um, which had some really great moments. Well, would you like to tell me about why specifically the, I mean, the, like the plot arcs in this that you liked, why it spoke to you so much? Now, it's funny you should mention this, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about one of our other shows, um, kind of in tandem, was that um, I read a lot of the Mark Wade stuff in trade, and he had done, oh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck up the order. I, I already know this internet. I'm going to fuck up the order. But uh, he had done... It wasn't Dead Heat. Was it Dead Heat? You say that like I'm going to know. Yeah, I know. Um, but there was a trade he did where um, it was the one before Dead Heat, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, but Wally West, and he, he kind of collects um, a bunch of other speedsters. No, yeah, Dead Heat is where he collects uh, all the speedsters to fight against Savitar the self-styled avatar of speed. Um, can I believe I said that without stuttering? 
or falling over it, because um, Savitar and Avatar is really close. So, I believe the book before that. Oh fuck! What was it? Anyway, and I can see I can see it in my head because it's Wally West's um, head lighting on fire as he starts to brush against the Speed Force. Um, but there was a kind of a a, a post face and afterward that Mark Wade said. Yes, I, I wrote this listening to so and forth uh, music. I'm writing the next one to the um, not Seven Samurai. What was the what was the um, the Western version of that? Um, um, it's Sergio Luzon, Magnificent Seven. Thank you. Just like I said, give me a second. It's in my head. Yeah, yeah. So he goes, oh, I'm writing this to that music, and that should give you a hint of what's going to happen. Yeah. And he does. He, he, you know, collects the other speedsters to fight the the big bad, the big bad. And um, it's funny because I actually think about that when I write for us because um, I can't write to music that doesn't have lyrics. It, it's very distracting. Um, I end up singing along, or it's just the words that I'm hearing uh, interfere with the words I'm trying to write. Um, and what I've been writing lately is the Hans Zimmerman um, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises uh, uh, score. Sorry, I was trying to. I'm, I'm just trying to think. It's been so long since I actually sat down and, and forced myself to write something. Um, sequential and not so much stream of consciousness. I was going to say I don't remember if I can write to music or not. I don't think it bothers me at all. I think I don't. I can't write to. I can't write to music with lyrics. No, I mean, that's I can't do that. I do listen to a lot of music without lyrics a great deal, especially if I'm working Sorry, out or if I'm super fucking angry. I normally put on my my Wagner station on Pandora. Well, it's actually funny. I actually um, meant to say this that uh, off air, but I'll say it on air. Um, I actually wrote. I actually wrote a bulk of the second half of the novel to Nine Schnell's Ghosts album. Yeah, see, I was gonna say very one thing very fitting to what was going on, and that's part of what. Once again, Mark Wade wrote that little afterward in the probably mid nineties, but twenty years later, no. Ten, twenty, twenty years later. It's still in my head, and that's... I, lo- I mean, I... Mark Wade in his... I'm not saying he's past his heyday. He's not. But Mark Wade's... I really do think heyday was uh, Flash and in the early 2000s Empire, which was a great idea. I'm sorry it didn't get traction. It's what the bad guy won. I strongly recommend finding the trade, by the way. Nobody, I was going to say, nobody could see the face I made on that. I made the, hmm, face. The what if face. It's, you'll poop your pants reading it. You know what, I'll... It's, it's... It's Empire by who? Uh, uh, Mark Wade, uh, Barry Kitson? K-I-T-S-O-N? Uh, once again, I'm recommending the Deb, uh, but I recommend it to any comic book fan out there. Um, if you haven't read it already. So if I'm asking a friend for it, what would I say? Uh, Empire Trade Paperback. Um. It's not the Empire, Empire Trade Paperback. I mean, it's just called, well, the name of it's Empire. Okay. Yes, I am texting him as we speak. Um, or in singles. I mean, it only went for, I think, four or five issues. And then it's zero issues. So, um, I think the trade is like the complete series. Um, but it's uh, eerily similar to another idea I have in my idea dump um, that's like what if the bad guy won type of thing but I loved Mark Waite's run on The Flash I thought he had a whole bunch of really unique ideas where he had this whole thing about Barry Allen's um, once again we're on like similar genetics but Barry Allen's twin uh, ends up kind of going over to kind of the dark side of the speed force ends up becoming this thing called Cobalt Blue, <clears throat> and that Cobalt Blue's legacy, much like the Flash's legacy, through the centuries, is to hunt down and kill Flashes. So you do have, once again, we go back to this whole Spider-Man gauntlet thing, which are the spiders and the hunters. I mean, I really, I believe Mark Waite was actually on the Spider-Man brain trust for that. Brain so, trust, woo. Woo. That sounds awesome. Once again, I'll be skimming over a lot of continuity. Um, 
basically a sun eater <laughs> enters the world and decides to, eh, as it would, eat our sun. Um, now, what do you think this is a Superman? Ooh. Doesn't it just make him, you know, normals? Pretty much. Um, so, it's up to, and I believe we have notes about both, yeah, Green Arrow and Green Lantern. Um, Green Lantern. Sorry, I was telling our non-turn to pick up some things. Hal Jordan has gone insane. Killed most of the Green Lantern Corps. After the uh, obliteration of Coast City through the Death of Superman series. And then Superman comes back, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Green Lantern comes back, reignites the sun, uh, effectively sacrificing himself, which eventually comes back in uh, Jeff Johns' um, Green Lantern Rebirth. But... Uh, <clears throat> It effectively kind of restarts the DC DC universe, which um, I'm sure you're well aware that Marvel rarely restarts their universe. No, I was going to um, say they like to kind of just paradigm shift everything. Which is, it has its good points and its bad points. I am a bigger fan of restarting, just because then you do have less arguments about inconsistencies in stories and characters. Yeah, but then you have the argument, did the stuff I read ten years ago even fucking matter? Of course it matters. Does it? Now. I'm reading the New 52, and I'm not thrilled with the Teen Titans stuff because everything I read from the, weirdly, Jeff Johns' um, Teen Titans, like, didn't happen. And I'm like, well, no, but I really I really like And I can still, I can still like it. Um, well, that's the thing. It's like I said, I can still like it. Why don't we just look at it in a different way? <sighs> Getting older, I'm a white male. I find I don't like change. Um, oh, now people are going to know you're white. That's going to be really uncomfortable. Not after the next variant. Um, so. <laughs> I'm gray. Green Arrow. So, um, and this is really interesting, uh, because we both like Arrow, um... For different reasons. Eye candy versus actually being Green Arrow. Like I said, I came for the eye candy, I stayed for the story. I came for the Arrow, stayed for the Deathstroke. Um, mm. Yeah, I was gonna say, maybe Shadow said Stroke at the end of that. Yeah. That's not my fault, it's his name. Um... So, um, Hal Jordan's last thing he does before he ignites himself uh, in green flame to reignite the sun is to bring back Green Arrow's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, soulless, because his soul has gone to heaven. Or a higher plane, as Kevin Smith will say. Um... But that leads into Arrow coming back, uh, Green Arrow coming back in the early 2000s with the Quiver storyline. Uh, not Quiver, I'm sorry, that was uh, Brad, uh, Brad Meltzer. Um, but, but Green Arrow coming back and coming back into relevance. Because really, you love Arrow, but Green Arrow is not, was not a rel- really a truly relevant character after, uh, I would say, 1989? I mean, really, after the Longbow Hunters um, and and the cross-country Hal Jordan, um, Oliver Queen shit um, from Neil Adams and uh, Denny O'Neill, like, Green, Green Arrow wasn't a relevant character, and he's kind of been always under the radar. No, um, he's never been one of the big guys, I mean. But they brought him back in uh, the Justice League cartoon as kind of the... Um, you know, he he. The character Green Arrow in in the in the cartoon goes, "You guys have heat vision and super strength and blah blah blah, and you guys are on a fucking satellite overlooking the world, and like but you're forgetting the little guy. I'm the little guy. I just have a bow and arrow and millions of dollars. But anyways, let's not get well, nitpicky. yeah, let's, let's not let's nitpick. not nitpick. But uh, <laughs> he's 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 Bruce Wayne with sharper. You know, batterings, really. Um, or boxing club arrows. 
But, uh... <laughs> Uh, oh, the boxing glove. But in the cartoon, he's he's very he's very grassrootsy, um, and he I is, found he is almost vigilante. He's he just, is literally. A, I mean, a, until the what did, they relaunched it. It wasn't uh, New Fifty Two. It was um, what was it one year later? It was the one year later jump um, that had it jumped ahead a year. Um, that he was running for mayor, and everyone was like, what the shit? Yeah, Mayor Queen. Think about that. Well, that's eerily similar to what's going on in the, in the show, but... Because um, Mayor Blood would be so much better. Never trust a man named Blood. God, they said it, and I said it before him. Um, but Felicity Smoke was actually from the uh, uh, Judd Winnick taking over from uh, Smith and Meltzer... Uh, going into Green Arrow, I could go on a Green Arrow for a lot, but um, so once again, my, my point on arguing zero hour continuity is the same as arguing um, zero hour continuity, uh, New Fifty Two continuity, um, pre and post crisis. Now, in, in there were multiple crises. There was crisis of infinite, uh, uh, crisis of Infinity Earths. There was Infinite Crisis. There was Final Crisis. I mean. It's, it's one of those, um, DC have crises and Marvel has wars. Which I think is very interesting because you have the whole, DC will reinvent their universe, but Marvel will have a war that kind of changes the uh, 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 quote-unquote public political landscape um, or personal landscape of the universe as opposed to relaunching except for when they did the, um, uh, God, what was it called? It was horrible. Um, oh, that narrows it down. Uh, it was right after Onslaught, but, uh, the new universe or something like that, it was fucking horrific. And, uh, Jeff Liefeld wrote, uh, drew, uh, Captain America with boobs. Um. On accident? Yeah. Just bad. Yeah. Bad model? Uh, but really bad perspective. Yeah. But it was, there, there was. boobs and it's not going well. Oh, these are full-on tetes. But I mean, even when a man has big pecs, they don't look No, like... this was bad perspective. And has lasted for 20 years in my brain. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's up there, uh, cultural penetration-wise, with uh, the goddamn Batman. I mean, it's, it's if you're in the know and you say Captain America boobs, like you're like, yep. Well, now I want to Google that. I'll show it to you after we're done. Well, the next line in the song is about... Uh... Kirby X-Men versus DC. Which, Kirby did the X-Men... Yay! I mean, you put Kirby and X-Men in the same sentence, you're going to get a nerd hard on. Um, but they weren't that great, and I, as the song says, I prefer the work he did for DC. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. Uh, Kirby doing... Uh, and I, 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 I don't want to speak on the... on the uh, For the band. Uh, Ookla the Mook. But um, I would say they're probably referring to the fourth world stuff. Yeah. Um, which you have such endearing characters, and I do mean that sincere, uh, sincerely. Um, Mr. Miracle, um, and probably the biggest one, uh, Darkseid. One of the biggest bads. Sorry, scanning brain and like scanning. Brain. <coughs> file uh, not found. He, he was uh, file 404. Uh, he was the big bad in Smallville season ten, which I did not watch. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Um, I did not watch Smallville at all. Mm-hmm, um, me neither. I, I, we were talking about this uh, during the break that um, I've only watched the episodes written by Jeff Johns, which had the JSA in them. Um, but uh, kind of, uh, he he literally is like the what is it in Buffy? The first evil or whatever it is. The master. Nope. The Master was the first season. Oh, are you talking about... Um, Last season. The final season. Like, the the first evil. The one that could, like, he could take the... I think it was just called the first. Was it the first? Um, Darkseid is... I was is, say, you know, like the physical representation occasionally by Nathan Fillion. He is a immortal... Yeah, playing Caleb. Um, he... Darkseid is a, the immortal god of the... Hell Planet Apocalypse. Oh, now I remember Darkseid. Yep. Remember him yep. from the cartoons when I was younger. Oh God! Like yeah. when you when you see him show up, it's like, 
well, shit's about to go down. Yeah, you know, like, aww. Um, there's this great scene in, um, if you've ever seen the last season of Justice League Limited, there's this great scene where uh, Darkseid's brought back from the dead by accident. Thanks, Lux Luthor. Thanks, Lux Luthor. Um, and there's this scene where Superman is uh, fighting Darkseid, and Superman has this great monologue where he says, like, you know, you took out Lex Luthor, you took out Batman, and these are, you know, he goes, these are people that will fight till the end spiritually. I have a different problem. I have a different drive. I live in a world of cardboard. I live in a world of Kleenex. Yeah. And I can't, like, I can't let go. Like, I can't unleash. But with you, I can. And there's this great, probably five-minute animation fight scene of the window shattering. I mean, this is before Matrix 3. Like, this is before the big Neo, um, uh, Agent Smith fight kind of brought this level of fighting into our consciousness. Um, in, in, in the mainstream consciousness. But, I mean, the punches that shatter windows for blocks and... Oh, and he goes, I just have a different problem. I can't let loose. But with you, big boy, I can't. And he fucking... Oh, and he brings him to his knees. It's fucking beautiful. But he, he, he's on the hunt for this thing called the anti-life equation. You don't get bigger or bad than wanting to find something called the anti-life equation. Interestingly enough, there's a series of books I read a while ago where one of the characters, his goal was to uncreate the universe. Um, Darkseid wants to turn it into a universe that's a reflection of him, a festering wound, effectively, is what the other heroes say. Uh, the plot point for this character was that he was immortal, but when they had figured it out, it took them a while to figure out that they were... I was going to say, it took them a while to kind of figure out how it worked, that when they died, they would be brought back at a specific point. And so... I'm not so uh, hot-spotted, am I? No, you're not. Okay. They brought back at a specific point, and um, his son, who was also immortal, had gotten caught in that same cycle where he would die and get brought back at a certain point, but he'd been caught in by an enemy band and was murdered and tortured, like repeatedly for an extended period of time and it had broken his mind. So he was immortal and fucking crazy. And so the father character wanted to uncreate the universe so he could put him out of his misery. What are you trying to look up now? I'm actually looking up the anti-life equation that Grant Morrison wrote. Because hmm. um, it is ridiculously amazing. Um, Jim Starlin, Neil Gaiman. Ah, here we go. Are you ready? Yes, I'm listening. The anti-life equation. I hope I don't ruin the internet like Darkseid did. Loneliness plus alienation plus fear plus despair plus self-worth divided by mockery, divided by condemnation, divided by misunderstanding, times guilt, times shame, times failure, times judgment, N equals Y, where Y is hope and N is folly. Love equals lies. Life equals death. Self equals the dark side. That sounds like a description of the internet uh, comment boards. <laughs> it's YouTube commenters. Thanks, Grant Morrison. Pretty much. All right, we have two more things First in the song. First, he's fake and gay. <laughs> fake and gay. This album is awful. Awful. God, that was really brutal. Yeah. Yeah, do it. Sorry, I had, apparently had something on my leggings for my ravioli earlier. What, I was eating ravioli? Like rollies. Like, oh, that sounds like... Never mind, I'm not going to say that out loud. I'm going to save that one. Okay. Maybe we'll use it later for, for Ursula. Oh, like rollies is good. Um, the last two we have, well, one of them is uh, Lose Your Price Guide in Wizard Magazine. The, the line is uh, Get Rid of Your uh, Overstreet Price Guide and Wizard Magazine. And uh, uh, Overstreet Price Guide. And uh, Comp Buyer's Price Guide, and uh, which neither which I actually owned. I didn't like them. I thought they um, undervalued uh, what was going on. But Wizard Magazine holds a very special place in my heart. Um, that it wasn't. It started out as a comp price guide uh, by Garib uh, uh, Seamus, but um, evolved into kind of a pop culture magazine. Um, which I've shown you pictures of that we've talked about on the podcast before. Yeah. 
Um, the Space Ghost for Oh, no, we didn't talk about the Space Ghost versus the Tech, but I showed you that picture. You showed me that picture that I immediately sent to a friend. Did you really? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the uh, uh, Gleek and... Uh, what was the name of the fucking monkey in Super Friends? Um, monkey Night Fight. Beep? Beep? Beepo, maybe? Um, or Blip. Blip. It was uh, uh, Gleek and Blip. The, the monkey from... Um, Space Ghost and the monkey from Super Friends fighting it out in a... <laughs> in a room full of other horrible things. Yeah, so um, Google that because we are not going to do it justice. Um, but there may be some very aggressive hitting on from Batman, a little uh, uh, lecherousness from um, Jace from Space Ghost. A little Game of Thrones action for the Wonder Twins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kissed my sister. That's nice. The last line we have, I mean, the last one we have here is the end of the song where the, the lead singer says, but please get the new Invisibles for me. Which we talked about before this we recorded. Um, you said you would recommend the Invisibles to anyone. Well, anyone that had a basic knowledge of comics that hadn't read it. Not even comics. Um, I, I think that um, if you love beat poetry... If you love metaphysics, um, if you liked, um, even going deeper into comics, if you liked Alan Moore's Promethea, you'll love The Invisibles. I'm a huge fan of it. Um, it influenced me personally um, to the fact that I am uh, uh, ended up studying a voodoo, voodoo and ended up initiating to the second level. I do have actually... You guys really should see me rolling my eyes. I do actually have a patron Loa. Fuck off. Um, I have a tie with a Loa on it. Which Loa? You don't have to look at it. It's in the bedroom. Okay. Um, probably Legba. But I don't know. It was a gift from uh, Tony. Um, hugely metaphysical. Um, really shaped... I wouldn't say shaped my idea of reality, but kind of shook my idea of reality a little bit. Um in terms of the Gnostic Christian hologram theory, um, you know, uh, psychic warfare. I mean, it really, it just, it, it, it just, the whole, the, the minute where, I'll, I'll, I'll put this, I'll put it this way. When uh, Mason Lang is, two things with Mason Lang. One, where um, he goes, yeah, I, I really want to change. I don't know if it's that easy. And then King Mob blows up his mansion and goes, It's that easy. It's that easy. Nice and smooth, as, uh, as, as I quote in one of our other shows. Um, and uh, obviously a huge influence. Um, but there's a, a really great scene where um, they're talking about the Matrix. Uh, I said the Matrix. Now, I don't, I don't remember if it was the Matrix or not. But there's this great scene where, uh, a great line where Mason Lang says, uh, every scene's a sex scene. Yeah, you've said that to me a few times before. Absolutely, and it doesn't matter if it's verbal, emotional, physical, it, every scene is a sex scene. And that line has permeated my, my psychology, Being? oh yeah, um, through and through. I mean, I, I, I was talking about how I go back every year and reread The Invisibles and catch something new. Um, as I mean, just the first book I bought was um, in the middle of the second series, which I should not have done. But, I was down. Uh, but it was Kissing Mr. Quimper, who, which has a Ragged Robin in S&M carrying a weird alien psychic midget on her back in similar S&M gear. And it was just one of those, like, I'm going to get that and Apocalyptic, um, just based on name alone. name alone. Yeah, no, I would have bought those based on name alone. But then you get into uh, Revolution in America um, and uh, Counting to None. I mean, it's just a fantastic series. So I do love that at the very end of the guy, uh, the singer kind of comes out, so to speak, and says, you know, ah, oh, fuck Spider-Man, fuck Raven, fuck you know, the Man of Steel and Hulk. 
But please get the new Invisibles for me when you go to the comic book store but after you know, they're been also a completely on different style of book. Absolutely. Like, you, you have superhero comics and then you have other comics. This goes back to, and I'll, I'll, we'll kind of wrap up on this, I think. Um, well, we're going to wrap up on that and play you a bit of the song. But uh, when I worked at My Line Comics, we had the rule, uh, we were not allowed to talk about uh, who'd win in a fight. We refuse to be those comic book nerds. That's probably smart. I can imagine that would just make you... It, you guys would be just those guys. The only, the only time we knew who would win in a fight is when we play Hero Links. Um, <laughs> that's when you'd know that the unique Hulk might have been better than the, uh, you know, experienced level Thor. But, um... <clears throat> or Superman, if, if you want to stay uh, topical on this. Um, but we refused to... Um, talk about who would win the fight, yet the comics that we were recommending to people were, um, if you want to go early enough, uh, you know, you have stuff like Watchmen and Dark Knight, I mean, you have the kind of 101s, but we'd have Preacher, and which wasn't over yet, Preacher was still going when I worked there. Yeah. Uh, Preacher, uh, The Invisibles, Graham Morrison's Doom Patrol. Not Doom Patrol. Uh, Transmet was huge. With a, with a few of us. Transmet um, to this day is still my favorite comic ever. I still remember when I walked in and Chris goes, you do know you're on the cover of the new Transmet. <laughs> and I went, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, I'm sorry, here you go. And hands me a copy and I'll see if I can find the cover to show you. Have you seen it? No. Oh, I was going to say. It's... Work has taken over my life, so my comics have been suffering. I think Warren and Gene Ha might have gotten together on uh, stealing my my MySpace pictures on that one. MySpace. So, to wrap up, we would like to play you a little bit of this song. Uh, yep, just a couple minutes. Because um, we can't afford the rights. Yeah, and uh, if I have the ability, we'll uh, throw a link on iTunes. I'm sorry, on our website. Um, probably not. But, uh... Thanks for putting up with Deborah going to play Ingress. And thanks for putting up with Doug talking about comic books for about almost an hour. An hour. Yeah. Um, I almost said goodnight, Internet, which is not the sign-off. Goodnight, Internet. No, don't. Let's not. So, um... Enjoy your burrito. Nope. 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 No? Nope. Um... I don't have any more for you. I'm sorry. You made it weird, Doug. Nope. That's a different show, too. Siri. St oh. Let's, let's see what she says. Siri, sign off. Siri, give me a sign off. I can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can turn me off in settings. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the man of steel. I'm gonna
This has been a Blood Alcohol Content Network production. Executive Producers, Deb Barnett and Doug Nickberg. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and BACN Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening to the BACN, your home for almost bacon and banjo!